for a moment. For three minutes, I guess it's a long time. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. This is a little micro workout. That's great. All the anxiety, so. I don't know. I don't, I'm not a runner. So, like, you say those numbers to me, and it's like, I gotta, I gotta think about them. Wait, lesson three, I thought we'd be a lesson four. We are, and actually, when we did lesson three, we did, um, we did divide it in two. We, because it's, it, you could either do it in two or, uh, or all at once, so we were already running out of time, <laughs> and, and, and we had more Wednesdays on the month so we divided we made it two and now we're doing it the last last part we're gonna recap as well the first part of it and because i think a few of you guys weren't here but we're gonna more focus on the half second half of it first course first um lesson and second lesson was the perspective that judaism has about intimacy in the first place you know mm-hmm. the bunk the meat about the myth about that intimacy is, is something wrong or, or that celibacy is something to um, um, worthy of a spiritual person and we showed that in Judaism is the opposite you know the, the, the Keruvim in the temple and the holiest book according to the Talmud the holiest book is the books that talk about intimacy and the Keruvim is, is a figure of male and female embracing so when it comes to male and female and intimacy the most sacred endeavor that any regular human being, regardless of background, can engage in is intimacy. That's the most, that's the, the, the pinnacle of completion of the human being. Now, of course, when all of this is done according to the teachings of the Torah, you know, because as we learned in the past, that intimacy, the, it's, it's, it, the power that it has needs to be as well contained properly the same way as atoms need to be contained properly and if not you know we could have a chernobyl happening so same thing is with with uh, anything powerful needs to be guidelines in place and a proper way of how to use it and where else where where, what's the best place to look if not the torah that the torah is god is the one who designed intimacy in the first place so if you ever want to know how to use um, anything you should go to the designer and the creator and the manufacturer of it that was the first lesson then we spoke about um that was the that was the first lesson i think i believe no the first lesson was about um about marrying jewish because we asked what's the point of marrying in the first place and we said that marriage is a reunion of two souls. Second lesson was about the, the, what we just spoke, what we just mentioned, that intimacy is, is something celebrated in Judaism. And this last lesson, lesson three, we started off at the beginning speaking a little bit about taharat hamishpacha. That's the general term for the laws of intimacy. And we ranked... Um, now we ranked and and so we spoke uh, the outline of the laws and that's basically that two that every time the woman has a period so then intimate relation cannot happen until the woman stops the flow of blood stops by the woman that takes according to halacha wait five days regardless of, of if it stopped earlier or not and then there is a uh, a day of uh, that woman checks that makes sure that there's no more flow. It's called the hefsek tahara, and then starts counting the seven clean days. 
once the seven clean days um, pass, so the night after the, that night, the woman goes to Mikvah and man intimacy can resume. So we mentioned that although, yeah. Question on that: If a woman is on birth control that causes her to not have any flow, any menstruation, what are the right. some of the medications they do that? Correct. Uh, the same. The same question I think is uh, you mentioned about a woman that has menopause, right? Okay. Yeah. Meaning, so if there's no flow, there's no, there's no. Uh, there's nothing, there's no impurity. And when I say impurity, it doesn't mean something, uh, it's never about a hygiene. You know, it's, it's something spiritual that we're talking over here. And uh, the concept behind that, although we mentioned it in the past, the concept behind it is that the reason for the blood in the first place is because the, the, the body was getting ready to receive life. And when that didn't happen, and the time went by, and, and, and the egg, or the, it wasn't fertilized. So the blood released, and that's, that's basically the biology of, 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 of a period. But the point is that when there is this lack of, lack of, of not lack, when there is this, the, the waste of life, it's not really life yet, it's like the, what precedes life, meaning the ability for the, for the egg to be fertilized, and it doesn't happen, so that itself creates like a vacuum, and that is the impurity that we're talking about. So we're talking about spiritual um, purity. It's nothing to do with hygiene. You know, it, it's, back in the days, it was, I mean, there was, there was reasons why the, the, actually one of the reasons why uh, it, got this connotation of being not clean, that Judaism sees as not, not clean, is because the fact that the woman went to a mikveh and, 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 and the woman showered and, and physically cleansed herself, so they associated that the cleaning is because it was dirty. So that they made the association of bathing because it was something uh, physically dirty. But the reason that a woman goes to mikveh is not because it's a bath, it's not because it's a... It's a is a physical um, um, cleansing that a, that a woman is doing. No, it's, it's a spiritual experience that is happening. So that's why uh, the whole process of Tuma and Tara, the whole process of, of the period is, is a spiritual process. And now we're gonna, we're gonna hopefully get, we're gonna learn a little bit deeper what this whole process means. Yes. So if someone is a miscarriage, do they also go to the mikvah? It's a great question. And the woman actually, when, is, when, when the woman uh, gives birth, the woman also needs to wait until the step of flow and, 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 and go to the mikvah. So every time there's a flow, basically, this process happens. Once the flow stops, the flow starts, there's a minimum of five days. If the flow extends over five days, you need to wait until it stops. Once it stops, counts seven clean days, and then the woman goes to mikvah. But I thought they went to mikvah because of the loss of life. If you had a child, wasn't that the gaining of life? That's a good question. Now, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the reason, the ultimate reason why the woman goes to mikvah on purity and purity is because the Torah said so. Okay. That's like, if you, it's a good, I'm, not, I'm not disqualifying, I think it's a great question, and I should get back to you on that. How the logic of, of you know, that loss of life that happens on a recurring period applies to when a woman has birth. Um, and, and I think, so it's, I'm not it's a different type of yeah. It's a different type of of. 
of process actually, because a woman when it has birth, it, in times of the temple was not only going to mikveh, it was, was as well bringing a sacrifice. It was, I think it was a different quality of, of I, don't, I don't know if it's purification the process, but it, it is, it's something different. And I should, I should look into that, so, uh, but yeah, great question. Um, and, and if a woman doesn't have a period, regardless of the reason, either medication or, 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 or just a woman is older and doesn't have a period anymore, so then there's no reason to go to mikvah. I mean, the, the ideal is that the woman, mainly once a woman is in menopause, so then they go to mikvah once and that's it. And they're pure for the rest. Um, yeah, uh, so we mentioned that that the process of and the process we mentioned that the reason of going to mikvah is is a irrational uh, reason, or the, the the we mentioned that there's three types of. I'm just gonna make sure that I have the page, so you guys can follow. Yeah, this is page 62. So we mentioned that there's three types of, of commandments. There is uh, the mishpatim, the eidot and chukim. And briefly, what it means is mishpatim are logical laws that I wouldn't need the Torah, quote unquote, to tell me what to do. And I don't need the Torah to tell me not to kill, not to steal. Those are laws that I'll logically come to a conclusion. Then you have eidot, which are testimonials, meaning I would never come to the conclusion that I need to keep Shabbos or Passover, but now that the Torah is saying, well, we're celebrating Passover because God took out of Egypt, so then, okay, you know, it makes sense. And then there is Chukim. The Chukim is the irrational or above rational reason for a mitzvah. For example, like keeping kosher, not mixing dairy and meat, or not wearing a clothing made out of wool and linen, all those laws don't really have a, a the, the reason behind it, or they don't really have a reason. And in, the interesting thing is that when the Torah mentions this mitzvot, mentions, uh, mentions them chukim, mishpatim, um, I'm, forgetting the, the or, I'm forgetting the order, but basically the explanation is, one of the explanations is that Chukim, or the irrational law, is the underlying in all the mitzvot. All the mitzvot have our chukim. The difference between edot and mishpatim are that some of them, they, they're not only so irrational, but they also come down to this world, and even human beings are able to understand it. In the case of edot, once you tell them the reason why, so they're able to understand it. And in the, in the reason of Mishpatim, it's a reason that someone with their own logic would come to understand. In other words, let's say, uh, for example, you know, a father says to, says to his kid, you, you, you need to eat dinner, or because, um, or, or the father says, don't spill, don't spill the water. The kid has, asks why. Well, don't spill the water because uh, you, uh, you're not gonna have anything to drink. So the kid understands that, but the father understands way more than that. If he spills the water, he's going to ruin the tablecloth. Now, if he ruins the tablecloth, the tablecloth came from Russia, from the grandmother. So, the, in other words, the father understands something. He sees in the picture something way beyond what the children could understand. But nevertheless, he could tell the children only something that he's able to understand. So, the same, 
might not be a good example, but the same idea is when it comes to the commandments that the Torah gives us. There are some commandments that we are able to, um, even we, human beings, limited, finite um, brains, are able to understand this godly mitzvah, this godly commandment, or this godly need that Hashem has from, from, from the human being. And then there are some mitzvot that we don't understand why. But the fact that we don't understand why doesn't mean that doesn't have a rationale. It just means that we as finite human beings cannot really understand. And at the same time, the mitzvot that we do, that we also can understand, ultimately the reason why we do it is not because we understand. The reason why we do it is because God said so. God commanded us. And the difference, it's not just a difference in... in it's not just a difference in... Uh, in, in behavior, if any, if there is any difference, but the reason is what you're connecting with. If you're fulfilling a mitzvah, a mitzvah because you understand or because it's logical to you, so your behavior is always a limited behavior. You know, this is part of, of my being, my brain, my understanding, and I'm acting on that, on that basis. I'm acting on my own identity, my own persona, my own limitations. But then we have a reason if I, if I do the mitzvah, if we do the Torah, because Hashem said so, so we're not shutting down reasoning. What we're doing is we're connecting to the mitzvah the way Hashem understands it. It is above or beyond our reasoning. That doesn't mean that we don't have to understand. The Jews, when they went to Mount Sinai, they say, Na seven ishma. They said both. They said we're going to do... And God said, do you guys want the Torah? They said, yes, we're going to do what we're going to understand. In other words, they gave themselves over, or they, gave, they, they, they took upon themselves to do, regardless of understanding. But at the same time, because of the connection that they have to Hashem, they wanted to understand as well. So when it comes to the laws of family purity specifically, the, 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 the underlying um, quality of what type of mitzvah is, that it's a chok, it's something that is beyond rational, that's really expressed in that mitzvah. Faith. Um, f- f- yeah, but I would, I would not only say faith, I would say like, it, it, it is faith also, but I think it's more than faith. It's like the totally giving yourself over. In other words, is that, that, that irrational connection. And that, yeah, makes sense, no? But I, but I have faith that it, it You have faith that what? Okay, you don't have to yeah. believe me. That's, yeah. that, that, no, that doesn't work. <laughs> In other words, if, if there is a reason for you to, to accept what you're listening or, or to accept that idea, so then is about you. Not necessarily about your benefit, but you're limiting what you're integrating with, your, with what you understand. Make sense? So if there's something that you don't understand, you're going to reject it. But ultimately, your experience or your connection to whatever it is, is always a connection of logical. It's always a connection of something that makes sense to me or something that, you know, goes together with who I am. I may not agree with it, but I agree that I could relate to it. Whatever. At the end of the day is that it makes sense to you. But then you have a connection with something that doesn't make sense. And even though it doesn't make sense, nevertheless, I'm going to do it. Although it, it contradicts my beliefs and it contradicts my principles and it contra- not, not in, a, in a moral way. 
You know, let's say like Hashem said to eat, uh, to eat kosher. You don't understand why. It doesn't make any sense. You know, you could bring studies that is way healthier. It's, it's much better. But nevertheless, you know, eating kosher goes against all your values, all your, all the science. Nevertheless, you say, okay, that doesn't make, that doesn't matter because the connection over here that I'm having with Hashem is a rational connection. It's a connection that more proof is not going to make it stronger and less proof is not going to diminish it. Is the goal though to increase that connection so that eventually it will make sense? So yes, 100%. The goal is to be able to learn. The basis of the connection is irrational, but doesn't stop there. If you stop over there, what you're basically doing is what you did before. You said, yeah, I believe what you're saying, but your intellect didn't really follow. You just like through your, your faith, yeah, just take the faith with you, I'm staying here. What you do basically is, if you only do mitzvot in a way of, of believing, you're kind of like, although you're giving over one of the most precious um, items that you have in your persona, it's your belief, but nevertheless, if your intellect and your, and your emotions don't follow, there's a little disconnect. So although the basis of our connection is irrational, but you have to be fully in in the relationship. And you might think that I'm talking about God over here, but this is what marriage is about. So, so I've heard about, as a metaphor for marriage, like if your wife asks you to do something, and she's like, this is important to me, and I can't explain why, but this is important to me, do it, you do it out of love. And like, it's the same thing with, with those, like keeping kosher, doesn't make sense to you, but just like if your wife asks you, Shalom this, is, this is important to me. <laughs> What, what is Sholem Bayis? Yeah, Sholem Bayis is the idea that you are not really, although it doesn't make sense to you specifically, but nevertheless, because there is a higher purpose, something that is not just limited by what I understand, that's what I'm going to do. Because of Sholem Bayis, you know, because of the peace and harmony between husband and wife. Because of the harmony in the house of you listening to what your wife needs and you do what she wants. That keeps the true peace in the house. Oh, yeah. Wife. Well, ideally, my wife will be much smarter than me. So, like, I'm just going to listen to her because she's much smarter than me. You know what they say about short women? They are feisty ones. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> Never ever. That made a lot of sense. Cause it, it, you're right. It just transcends, like, uh, God, it transcends relationships. But it, it's, it's everything. It's that you're, you're always trying to learn and grow. And sometimes to grow, you have to... This, happened, this just happened with work, because I told my coworker, I know that you're right, but I don't understand why you're right. And if I don't understand why you're right, I will always have to come to you to explain it to me the next time I have the same problem. So can you help me figure out why this doesn't make sense to me, so that I can learn as a whole? It's the same, same idea. Right, you're integrating what it's beyond your understanding. You wanted to integrate. Yeah, 100%. And, and, and what you said before is that, going back to what you said before, that that ultimately is good relationships. You know, good relationships is not, I'm not talking about business, I'm talking about, you know, personal or inner relationships, is when two people are connected beyond, or not despised, but two people connect with each other, not with things about each other. You know, it's not about what I understand or what you feel that that brings you guys together, or husband and wife are together because they understand each other and they, and they like each other, and they love each other, that is the reason why they're together. No, they're together because they're husband and wife. They have a 
illogical transformation and fusion and connection that happens in the time of the chuppah. That's when it happens. Once that is, once that's hap- when that happens, they're, they're done, you know? If they love each other, if they like each other, if they understand each other, that doesn't diminish their marriage. I mean, the quality of the marriage, they might, but they're not less married because they don't love each other. Love is something that you have to work together with understanding and together with so many other things that you have to work. At the same time, you need to have all those, all those emotions and, and connections before knowing who you want to marry because you, know, you don't want to make it hard for yourself. So you want to at least know that you're aligned in most things and okay, this person I could, I could, I could, work, I could, I could build together. So you, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not suggesting anyone to just go up to any, uh, you know, because if, if, if it's irrational, so you just go up to anyone in the street and, you know, propose, just marry, because you're connecting with each other and not things about each other. I would not suggest that. I, would, I don't think it would work, because at the end of the day, you know, th- the day-to-day operations need to happen on a daily basis. So that's why you go out at the beginning and you go out and meet someone and date someone to see if, if there's anything that is going to, you know, to be a... No, no, for me. There's, you know, whatever it is, it might be that the way she's, she scratches hair. If it's a no, no for you, it might be stupid. But that's it. it's it's a no, no for you, whatever the reason is. And once you go out, and once you see that, you know, everything makes sense. It makes sense. Life's in goals in life, um, values, quality. All of that is aligned with mine. So until I get married doesn't matter how much more time we spend with each other, the connection is very limited to things about each other. Isn't love blind, though? What does that mean? So, like, the, the, like the no-nos. Like, I was... Or, like, maybe not love, but liking someone. Like, there are times where you're trying to date someone, and you see the red flags, and you're like... You, you give excuses. You're like, oh, no, there's a reason. But, like, when you're out of it, and, like, you're, like, you're clear-headed, you're like, oh, that was crazy. Well, I <laughs> think love is said blind that is like, yeah. <laughs> About no, but this was, this was done. <laughs> like, there was someone I was dating that was like... This red flag is okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's not a big deal. It is it's always fine. a big deal. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, um, I'm not sure exactly what's the interpretation of love is blind. I think it go either way. Mm. But personally, I think that one of the advantages of, of the Shidduch system, although, you know, it, it, it has its uh, share of, of, of comic to it... <laughs> But at the end of the day, what the system is in place for is to remove and to do all the background checking and all the red flags to do it for you. So when you show up to date a girl, you're not finding the red flags. Or at least what you need to find out now are things that no one else was able to find out. So no one else knew she was crazy. Correct. <laughs> so either that's why you need to make... told me and I was like, no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you probably like that, right? <laughs> Should have listened. I know. Um, so, so that's the idea, and, and what I'm saying, it's a valid point, 100. percent And and that's why you know. That's why uh, hitting up someone at a bar. I don't think it's the best way to start a, a marriage. I think that's kind of a little bit counterproductive and maybe damaging. You know, specifically if both are. Um, 
if both are intoxicated. It's My last two relationships were people I met at Chabad bars. <laughs> Even worse. Oh, that's, <laughs> yeah, Chabad bar is a whole different thing. That's excluded. Oh, man. That's funny. Um, but yeah, the, the idea of a shidduch system is that basically... <laughs> Why do you think we serve wine over here? <laughs> The idea of a shidduch system is basically that. Mm-hmm. That they do for you all the rest. They do for you all the, all the background checking, all the red flags, and you show up to date, basically is like, you're not asking where is she from. You're not, I mean, you do because you need to make a conversation and start with yeah. something. You know? so, oh, yeah, where are you she, from? She, <laughs> although you know where she's from, you know where she yeah. went to, you know everything, but whatever. What's the weather? Same thing. Um, <laughs> and, and that's the purpose of it. The purpose is to remove all the friction. And, 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 and and then there is the marriage process that once the marriage happens, there's a whole different level, a whole different quality of connection. So that's where you see people who are, who are a boyfriend, girlfriend for 10 years, and then they get married, and then doesn't work out. How is, that, how is it even possible? They were boyfriend for 10 years, they were together. They get married, and, and a few months later, they divorce. What, what's the logic behind it? And I don't know if that's the reason, but the, the logic behind it is that a marriage is a whole different quality of, of connection that two people have. So suddenly imagine two people connecting with each other and they don't really have the ability to connecting with each other because all these past 10 years, it was about things they enjoy doing together or things that, you know, they both like Netflix. So they, that's the reason for them to bring them together. <laughs> that's a funny commonality. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty popular. You like AOL? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You use the internet or what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> match. Great. Match, yeah, match with heaven. Perfect. Match in the cloud. <laughs> Literally. Yeah, really <laughs> Literally. Really and um, so, so, so it's a whole different uh, uh, level of, of, of connection. Because it's not really about, it's not, again, it's just the same way as it goes. In a marriage from husband to wife, it goes from Jewish people to, to God, you know? The same way as the, uh, a way to, to do Torah is, uh, to, to, to do Torah and mitzvot is, from a logical perspective, things that make sense to me, that's like liking someone because of things that, you know, you like from each other. But then you have a connection of a marriage connection that that's, has nothing to do with things I like, I don't like. It, it, it happens, not happens to be. The connection is a, is a soul connection. There's nothing to do about it. And it doesn't matter if you like each other more, if you dislike each other more, that connection is not going to be diminished. And this idea of connecting with each other, and in our case, connecting to God, is the underlying that, go, that we mentioned before, the, the over-rational, the above-rational connection that we have to God. Do you have to be in a good place, though, to feel that connection? Like, the connection can be there, but if you're not there in a good mindset to receive it, can the connection actually ever exist? You're talking about someone who's Are you who's saying, married? like, right person, wrong time? Is that what you're saying? Like, if you're not able to receive it, are you saying that's a wrong time kind of thing? Situation? I was thinking more like, like, I have anxiety issues. Oh, oh okay, okay. So, like, if you're not in the right mindset, like, you're not in the right, you're not taking care of yourself mentally, how can you necessarily receive it if, you know, your antenna isn't really able to receive because there's too much static? Well, you're talking about someone before marriage or after marriage? Both, actually. Well, before marriage is, is something that, you know, needs to be taken care of, meaning that's something that needs to be in a healthy way, needs to be everything in, a, in, a, in the right place. 
And once the couple is married, sorry, I, I forgot saying that. And if it's not in the right place, it might be a make it or break it. You know, that, that is a valid reason. Yeah. But after they're married, that's not a valid reason anymore. Um, that's not a, it's not that it's not a valid reason because people do get divorced. What I'm saying is that the marriage, it's not less of a marriage because, because of, 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 of challenges in the middle. That it's, it, they form that connection so strong that the challenges seem to be work out. Mm. Because again, it's this irrational connection. It's, it, it's, it's a connection that they have with each other. Another, something that is interfering in between each other or is trying to interfere, so you have to take care of it. What about like the red flags that don't show up till way later? <laughs> That's, that happens everywhere. That happens even people who go through the shidduch. I mean, it's, some red flags are, are inevitable. Yeah. Do you think people can change, or everyone's pretty much Ooh. themselves? Oh, people, people have to want to change. According to Judaism, okay. there's, a, there's actually there's an interesting law that says that someone who is someone who uh, who propose to a woman on condition that he is a righteous person. I'll do a background before that. There is a, there is a, there is a, there are laws regarding someone who makes an oath, someone who swears. So if someone says, you know, a man proposes to a man and says, "I'll marry you," or, or I'll, "I'm proposing to you because, um, because I have a lot of money," and the woman accepts the marriage and then finds out that she didn't have a lot of, he doesn't have a lot of money. So it happens to be that 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 proposal didn't work in the first place because it was funded on a lie. So it has no truth, so that's why it could call it off. I mean, there's details of how to go about it, but that's the, that's the premise. Meaning he's not legally, or she's not legally, um, or he, and he, they're vice versa, they're not it's legally. Like creating a contract under the law. Right, but in this case, it was an oral law, which also has power, but, you know, that's why you need to take care of that, of that oral part of it. There was no contract, and it's not recommended. But now, what happens if someone says... Um, I'm, I'm proposing to you with the condition that I'm a righteous person. They and he's not a righteous person. What's they, the law? They gotta become one? And she says yes? No, but the, my question is, is she like, says yes. Is this like Does you, she know that he's righteous? Is this like you no, Does she he's think not. That he's righteous? Right. Does she think that he's, he's righteous? That doesn't really it's matter because valid. it's objective. Is this like a Hugh, Hugh cast the first stone type question? But it, no, this is right, a so, halachic question. But if, if, he, if she thinks, if she is in the oppression that he is, then, and he's not, then he's lying, no? Yeah. Apparently. But what, what is righteous? What's, what's a Saudi? So that's, in other words, let's, let's keep it simple. Someone who, a uh, goody-goody. Someone's you know? a murderer or not a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Pretty so <laughs> we'll, we'll keep it, we'll stay off the gray area, either black and white. And this guy is a black, and you know, and there is white. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Crazy. I don't know about that, Rabbi. <laughs> I think the murderer, non-murderer one's pretty good. Yeah, well, let's, okay, so whatever. A, Russia there, Yeah, so Russia of There's a funny story. So this, there was a story about this girl who went on a date with a guy. First date, he drove her out into the woods because he said, they both said they like hiking, right? He drives her into the woods. This is like California. He takes her Day to the or night? Nighttime. They walk around. They get to a secluded part of the woods. He goes, oh, it's almost as if I could murder you right now. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> And she was like, ah, ha, ha, ha. Never saw him again. 
But yeah, don't go on well, dates glad, in the woods. I'm glad she made it back. With murderers. Yeah, you, you don't gotta tell me twice. Anyways, we yeah. have the good, the bad, and the middle. <laughs> Getting to the point, the halacha says that she is married legally. Why? Because to become a righteous person, you have to be not righteous. Take a second. Really? To transform yourself takes a second. But what's the second? What is that second? Huh? It says that the second could be as fast as blinking. What? <laughs> Why? I'll explain. What does it mean to become a righteous person? Christian. Like, you can just believe. What do you think? Like, I've, always, I've always thought that like, there was like, something like, you can't just believe in, in, in Jesus and you become righteous. Or you become holy. Or you become forgiven. But it's actually very, like, it's very merciful. The question is, well, it's merciful. like if you boil it down, is what does it mean to become a righteous person? I mean, recognizing that you don't know everything and that you want to learn and grow. That is part of it, but at the same time, is that it's a resolution from now on. So until so the next me, time you sin, so until you have so the next challenge, so to be... <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's yeah, that's exactly what it is. The, the even the halakha says, "I'm not listening to murder." But that doesn't absolve you of your sins. Okay, but this is a different question. This is a question: What do you do with all the baggage that you're carrying? But the question is, what title do you have now? I'm not saying that you're not liable for what you did before. Or, or the, the halach is not saying that liable. he's not liable. Yeah. yeah, liable. Being liable, I mean, in other words, the, what he messed up already, he'll have to take care of it. But from now moving forward, what, does, what title does he carry? Does he carry a title of a murderer or a righteous one? And what? Why not both? <laughs> that, that, yeah, some societies had that, but not really the Jewish one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so the idea is that people could, that, that fundamental idea is that people could change in a second. And, and the, the, an example that I, that I heard once is that, just imagine a ladder, and you have people going up and people going down. And people who are good and people who are bad, or let's just take it like a little bold, is not necessarily the people who are in the top and people who are in the bottom. But people are going up and people who are going down. Relative to where they are. Is that Jacob's, relative is that to where the message they are. of Jacob's dream? So, right so that, is, that is, I think that this commentary is on that dream, but... I don't know if that's, I don't know if, I don't know if it, I haven't seen it directly to that, but I think it's regarding that dream. So in other words, it doesn't really matter where, at what step of the ladder you are. What really matters is if you're going up or you're going down. It doesn't matter if you, you know, if you went to yeshiva and you pray three times a day with the minyan and, you know, you have all the hat and jacket and everything, but if you're going down... So then your direction is way less than someone who just found out he was Jewish, but he has no clue about his Judah, but he wants more. In other words, he's facing up. That is, he's more precious, more valuable than the one who's going up. So what does tshuva mean? Tshuva means to stop looking down and just turn your face and look up. That's cool. What does tshuva translate to? Oh, sorry. Tshuva translates to... Turn to, that's the, that would be the, 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 the Hebrew word, but it means, um, what's in English, the word that he used for tshuva? Repentance. Repentance, is yeah. Means Repentance is the, the idea in, in English, but the real word is tshuva means to return, I mean, to be who you, who you are, but that's in a whole other subject. So someone used to be like, let's say, I'm going to go out of the gray area of murder, but let's say someone used to be like a liar, 
And they're like, I'm not a liar anymore. And you're like, okay. But then if they continue to lie, they're going down the ladder, not up. Yeah. But if they're striving to improve themselves to stop, have them lying less, they're still going up. Because relative to where they were, they are improving themselves. Correct. In other words, they're looking up. Yeah. I, yeah. Very cool. The, there, is a, there is also a law that says that what happens if there is a, if there is a, a, a butcher, a Jewish butcher who says that he's selling kosher meat. What happens to be that the meat, you know, he bought it from around the corner. It was not kosher. Yikes. You know, sadly, it happens. We've seen stories in my lifetime. I remember stories. It's very sad. Anyways, the, the question is, okay, what do you do about a butcher like this? Could you even buy from him? Could you trust him? Is he a trustworthy guy? So the, so the, 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 the Shulchan Aruch says that you have, my mind is right. That you have to wait. So, so number one is no. He cannot be trustworthy. Number two, the way, he tr- the way you see if he's trustworthy is if it's next time he has the same challenge or the same opportunity and he doesn't do it. In other words, he's, my mind is all right, that needs to be in another city, in a city that, you know, if he's still in the same city, he just wants to get back into business, so that's why he's behaving that way. So it needs to be in another city where he would not benefit from behaving differently and nevertheless, he, he loses money and he do- doesn't do it. He goes through the same challenge again and he do- he. He overcomes the challenge, so then he's trustworthy. In other words, Judah is with Joseph, Judah and Joseph. Yeah, yeah. Judah did it with Joseph, but then when with Benjamin, he he's like, no, like you can take me instead of him. right, which is like so beautiful. That's that that showed that the attitude. So it's so beautiful. That is that is the the, the reason why they become a tzaddik because there's nothing to do with the actual behavior, but the behavior shows what the past or what the present state of this person is. Okay, moving along, how do we got here? We were talking about the mitzvahs in general, and then we spoke about... Well, that was very informative. Many yeah. other things, yeah. I mean, they were learning, so that was the main thing. Okay, let's finish the... I want to finish, so next month we'll start with a different topic. Um, page 67. This is also quite a, a very interesting um, way to look, a very a new perspective when it comes to mikveh specifically. So we mentioned that the woman goes to mikveh and mikveh finishes the process of purification. But we're going to analyze a little bit more what this mikveh is about and why mikveh. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of ways nowadays how purification can happen. And, and I, I've read online. Someone was proposing that instead of going to a mikvah, we should go to a sound bath. <laughs> a sound bath? Is it, is it a new thing? It's, it's That's like really funny. rich people, they are able yeah, to go. They, well, I don't even know what it is. You bowls and you rub them with like an instrument thing and it creates a sound and people lie on the ground and then they bathe in the sound of it. It's a, it's a thing that people do. It's, that's actually a really... I can't even imagine putting going to a mikvah and a sound bath in the same realm. So it's funny that someone would... Well, I mean... <laughs> I, I just it, go to Chuck E. Cheese? Right. It, it, was a tweet, <laughs> it was a tweet for someone who wants to improve or gives their perspective on what Judaism needs to look today. But... <laughs> yeah, I was proposing other ways okay. of instead of going to mikvah. But the point is that we're going to see... Yes, but the, the main thing is that, you know, we stick to what the halakh says and what the... You could do a uh, sensory deprivation. Mm. Have you heard of this? No. That's I feel sense. like the mikvah itself is wild enough that it doesn't need to be altered. <laughs> <That's different. laughs> why, why you say wild? I mean, 
it's something that I didn't grow up with, so it's something that I learned about as like a teenager and an adult. So Same, yeah. it's a new, it's like still like a new thing in my mind. My mind's still like wrapping itself around it. So when I hear that like people want to do a sound bath or sensory deprivation, it's to me it's already such a unique, mystical, unknown thing. Even though I've like gone just like on a tour of a mikvah and like I've seen it and stuff, like it's still like rad enough and wild enough to be like. I don't know if you need to add anything into that. <laughs> of course not add. That's for sure. Yeah, it, it is apparently very, very spiritual experience. Um, you could talk to a woman who had that experience and, and the feeling is different. We're going to now learn and analyze why that, why, why that happens or why specifically mikvah. You know, we're already hundreds of years and mikvah is bedrock of any Jewish community and the Jewish people in general. Okay, so text 12a. Nante, you want to start? Oh, page, page 67. 12a? 12a, yes. One who immerses in a spring or a cistern wherein there is a gathering of water shall become pure. So this is the, mikveh, this is the verse that the Torah is speaking about uh, when a woman needs to go to mikveh. And uh, also, in general, every, um, 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 every time that the, the, the Torah says mikveh, that specifically, you know, that halachically needs a mikvah, refers to this way. Now, what do you find interesting about this, about this verse? What is a cistern? Cistern is a well. body of water. Collection. Collection, yes. Cistern might be even Spring the... would be natural and cistern would be man-made. Yes. There we go. Yeah. <clears throat> what do you see? Like, you know, the cities have like a... Water I don't know if it's called cistern, but... What it's called? Water tower. You wouldn't really refer something to that else. As okay. The, the thing that the tie up that's yeah. water. It's water tie. It's not Different. really a cistern. Uh -huh. You would okay. refer to that as a cistern. Aqueducts. Right. Anyways, whatever the term is. We're getting a little technical here. Yeah. What's, so, so what do we see over here? What's, what's, what, what's interesting about the Pasuk? Or what is, you know, um, a little bit uh, maybe contradictory? The spring is free-flowing, but a gathering of water is stagnant. Yeah. So the, Miko said, the Pasuk says... A spring or a cistern? So, question is which one, or if, if there's no difference, or any, any, anything could be. So, in order to really understand what the Pasuk, what the Torah is referring, um, text 12b. Zach, you want to read? This is the explanation of this verse. Had the verse only said that one may immerse in a place wherein water is gathered, one might have concluded that it is acceptable to draw water from its natural source, carry it on the sh shoulder, create a man-made pool and immerse therein. Therefore, the verse also says a spring. Just as a spring is heaven-made, so too, for a gathering of water to be kosher, for immersion, it must be heaven-made. Yes, so it is, the Torah is saying both, because you need to be, it needs to be both of them. Or at least, if it's going to be a cistern, it needs to be connected to a spring of water. So what does it mean? You cannot open the faucet, fill up a bath, and, and dip in the bath and call it a mikveh. Why? Because that is literally a body of water. That's a, a collection of water. What if you open a window and the rain gets into the bath? That's exactly Actually, how mikvehs work today. That's cistern. Yeah. No, that, so you jumped ahead, but mikvehs today, the way they work is, sorry, before we get to that, we'll just fill in the gap. And, and the, the, what, the part, what the verse is saying is that if you have a cistern, if you have a, a collection a collection of water, it needs to be connected or needs to be... No, not if you have. Any natural source of water 
could be made into a mikveh even though it, it, it gets collected. So nowadays, what they do, and, and most times, is they take rainwater, and there's pipes, and the rainwater goes and travels and falls into the mikveh, where the woman goes into the mikveh. So it's basically, it's a natural water. Could be done, that's how they do it nowadays, because it's the easiest, but if it's a spring of water, or the biggest mikveh in the world, the ocean, that would also work. <laughs> That's such a funny way to describe the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> Is it any spring? Any natural running so it's water. It's like a hot spring in Japan, for example. Any yeah. Spring. So th- then there is a different laws that, for example, can a woman go to, this, to, the, to the ocean? So there are laws regarding if a woman would be comfortable going to the ocean. Because mm-hmm. you want a woman to go to mikvah on the most comfortable land, you know, for sure immerses totally. So if you say, yeah, she go to the ocean, you know, it's not pleasant going to the ocean. So it's going to be done halfway. So the Torah, I mean... In the cold. Like, the, at imagine night. Being, the ocean, imagine being okay. in Russia. And like they, they, I've heard these, these before. Like you're in Russia. You have to go break ice to go jump in, a, in, in to do mikvah. Well, you're married. Hopefully you don't have to break the ice. Hi. Hey. <laughs> but like, right? I mean, like, yeah, okay. that, that, that was a sacrifice. That yeah. was the sacrifice of and Jewish women. That, 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 yeah, that was the sacrifice of Jewish women then. Yeah. And even today, you have like these rabbis who go to, I don't know, there, Rabbi uh, uh, Uganda, you know, who just first moved there. You know, the, they had to travel. And some, some rabbis told today, their, their wives travel like two hours to the, they take a plane, two hours to the closest mikvah. Um, that's where they're able to Every do month? Snow. Yeah. What if you're like in Alaska? Can you, like, can you melt snow that's natural? That's a great question, but the question is even more. What happens places that there's no rain? For example, California. Pacific Ocean it is. Yeah, okay, but what if you leave your own? You, you, leave I mean, you can use rainwater that collect, it comes, it might only be every six months, but they still have rain. Yeah, but does the mikvah constantly going, or do you ever like shut off the pipe? Be like, Sorry? Does the mikvah constantly free-flowing, or do you only turn on the pipe for the rainwater when someone goes to the mikvah? No, no, no. Once it's collected... You could stay there, and it's usually what they way to do now is they filtered it and they keep it warm. So, you know, it's a body of water. In Georgia, we don't have the problem. We have rain every whatever every three weeks. We have a rain. So, all of the mikvah constantly have to be flowing. No, no, it doesn't have to be a, a stream of water all the time, but the water there needs to be natural. In other words, that was never contained before by a human being. Okay. So you guys do like a rain barrel and then siphon off a little bit at a time each time you, you want to do it and add it to man-made water. We can transport yeah. it. Can you multiply it? It, it? it needs to be done in the quantities that it's not diluted, but it does. It can, yes. And you could put chlorine in it. Take yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's it. how they do it. They filter. Now, mikvah nowadays is, is, is top-notch. Going to mikvahs nowadays, no, it's, it's the most uh, no. cleanest. I mean, at least it should be. The communities <laughs> invest hundreds of thousands, and there is even funds global funds to, to build beautiful mikvahs. They don't settle for like, you know, a mikvah. They, it's to be beautifully done, it's to be the most comfortable, it's to be the most pleasant experience. And, 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 and that's why they invest a lot of money because it's again, it's the bedrock of the Jewish nation. Now, um, places like California, for example, they don't have rainwater. And you know, if they live a little bit in the city and not, you cannot really like, you know, plug into the Pacific, 
So then what do you do? So they, they bring um, snow from Big Bear. Because it's never contained. Snow, it, it, it's not considered contained if it's in a shovel. So they can shovel it into a truck. And, a, so and, a, and the truck is a giant shovel as well. My aunt never told me this in California, and I didn't believe her. I was just like, okay. Because it doesn't never <laughs> contains. It is. It, 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 again, it's a way... It, 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 it might be like, you know, some of it might be comical that you need to go through this, but we're going to learn a little bit more the reasoning that there's behind this and everything's going to make sense. But the point is that it was never, there was never man-made, man-contained. Humanly contained, the water. And snow it oh, also... Oh, shovel human. is open. You're shovel is open. You can, the truck is just oh, a, yeah. a big shovel. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a great, yeah, it's a great solution. <laughs> Yeah, thank God you found that before, I know. <laughs> okay, the point is that you need to have this, needs to be connected to the natural source. I don't mean natural source as, as in the ground source, but it could never be corrupted or it can never be contained by a human-built vessel. Meaning it cannot be water that you take from the ocean in a bucket because then you contain it. Isn't a cistern a human-built container? Right, and that's why the Apostle also says, that's what the verse says, and... A, 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 a spring and a cistern because whatever water is in the cistern needs to come from a spring. There we go. Gotcha. That's why they, that's why they mentions both. So if, if you go to a spring or to a natural body of water, that would be uh, ideally. People um, 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 sh- actually, Shelbel's um, Shelbel has a cousin that married two cousins that married the Chabad rabbis. Daughters from Maui, from uh, from Hawaii. Wow. I don't know which island exactly, but and 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 when they moved there, the mikveh was was the ocean. That's cool. Yeah. So the Chattahoochee could be a mikveh, yeah. The Chattahoochee, you want to go there? Yeah. Oh, yeah that's my plan. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so my parents like backyard. Going there. <laughs> Chattahoochee. They have. I will try. I have a it's like a big hill, <laughs> and then there's a they man made <laughs> yeah. a wall. And, it, and so there's a lake now because they put a wall. Right. Is that a mikvah? Yeah, it's so... Big. It's like twice the size of this building, the lake. So it might be. We have to see where the source of the water comes from. But it might be a mikvah, yeah. Okay. At awesome. the same time, you have to have in mind that all the other reasons that it would not make a woman so uncomfortable that she's going to abstain from doing it properly. So although the quality of the water might be good quality, if it actually is a proper place to go to mikvah, it's a different question. What about water that comes from a dam? That that's be, go through a dam. The dam is is so the so it's a good question if the dam is considered contained or not. It might be considered contained. I don't know. Because like a lot of places, like in uh, also I think California and yeah. Like, Nevada. Yeah, they they Hoover all dam? they all have they all have dams. Yeah, to contain it specifically. Yeah, it's a damn good question. Huh? Oh my god. <laughs> that's good. I think you should leave. That's all. Of us. <laughs> <laughs> Oh it's a good question. I don't know if a dam is oh considered is considered contained or not. It might. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Because there might be like some kosher rivers, not kosher rivers. Because a lot of like the, the yeah. rivers, they have the dams. Yeah. Yeah. It's a All good right, question. So moving, on. moving on. So um, before we understand why it needs to be like this, you know, in other words, the mikveh, this is how it needs to be. The question is... You know, we need to see a little bit more the, the, the spiritual realm of the mikvah in order to understand why the mikvah needs to be this way. So text number 13, we're going to open another tab over here and we're going to see the spiritual 
meaning of the sea and the dry land. So text number 13. Harrison, you want to read? God said, let the water that is beneath the heavens gather into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the gathering of the water, mikvah hamayim, oh, hamayim, mikvah hamayim, he called seas. Yeah, so this is the, when Genesis, one of the first, when God is describing, when the Torah is describing the creation of the world, says that the world started, the default state of the world was what? Water. Water. And then God removed the water and let the dry land appear. Now we see over here that the... So mikvah means like literally is gathering? So mikvah means gathering. Yes. Uh, but that's interesting that you're pointing out because before we also mentioned mikvah by uh, when it's talking about purification process. So we see that there is a connection between oceans, besides the fact that they are the ultimate mikvah, but there's a connection between oceans and, and uh, regular mikvah. And the connection, we have to understand what's that connection or, or what the ocean and, and the sea, what the ocean and the dry land represent. And we, that will give us a deeper understanding of what's the concept of mikvah nowadays. So figure number three, point five, will give us um, two differences um, or a few differences between land and sea. Before we go ahead with text 14 and before we see the chart of this figure 3.5 as well, we're gonna, um, I'm going to explain from the outside. And that is that this world, this is also kind of connected to what we mentioned before about illogical, illogical connection or illogical mitzvahs that the Torah has. This world has a not parallel world, but has an inner dimension of it. And According to Kabbalah, one is called the revealed world, and that's the world that we are aware of. That's the world that we engage with every day. And then there is a concealed world. And this concealed world is concealed from our understanding. In other words, we are limited, finite human beings, that we're not really able to tap into and to understand um, the logic of that world. So, you know, they say that everything that God does is for good. And a lot of times you don't understand why. And the reason for that is because in, in the revealed world, it doesn't make sense. But in the concealed world, that in the world that is concealed from us, meaning the world that is so spiritual, there it makes sense. So, th th this is just a, an example of, of, of where else is, is of, of how, how this the, the, the argument that everything that God does is for good um, might not be good in the concealed, in the revealed world, but it's good in the concealed world. Nevertheless, there is these two parallel worlds, not parallel, there is these two dimensions of the world that we live in today. And these two are represented by, or they're reflected by land and by the ocean. And we'll see in land, we've seen the chart that is, it says, is the land is open, revealed world. We can look around and see trees, flowers, birds, animals, and the like. And also the creatures, or those who inhabited the dry land, its creatures live off the dry land, but their connection with the land is not so obvious. The perspective of those, of, of the, or the, ex, the land experience, it's an experience where my being feels self-dependent. 
And everything feels self-dependent in this world. This chair is here. Why? Because, I mean, this chair is here. Do you see the inner connection that the chair has with the land? All these are, I don't know, plastic composition. I don't even know where plastic comes from, but it's a, you know, some mixture and, 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 and it was actually from the earth and, and that brought life to a, to a chair. You don't really see the connection or how items in this world are really dependent of something greater or something else. We see things in the world and we take for granted that this is who they are because this is who they are. Yeah. It might be being too literal here, but isn't plastic literally from the earth because plastic comes from oil and oil comes from the earth? So, so you see you have to make the connection. But like with fish, you see their gills, you see the water moving through their bodies. Mm. They need it to stay alive. The fish, that's, that's, you know, in the sea, that's the hidden world, is where their ego or their presence, you really see right away how they're really dependent on something else. I mean, the connection to the water. What? They die outside of it. So, right. Yeah. That, that, but you, you may argue and say that, well, if you take someone who lives here and you put it in the ocean, also might die. Correct. But the yeah. dependency, when you see them now, you don't see that how they're so dependent in, in, in how they're not dependent. Sorry. You don't see how they are dependent in something else. With the creatures of the sea, you see right away how they're so dependent in the water. Um, okay. Um, and yeah, this is the general um, reason or the general perspective or experiences that people or beings have in the revealed world that's the world we live in everything seems to be that they're independent and they don't depend on anything else and then in the concealed world that's concealed from us but the creatures there or the beings there is obvious for them that they're being dependent in god so now over here someone could have a life and deny god through their whole life in the world of concealment, it doesn't happen. It's obvious that their source of their life and everything comes from God. The same way as a fish, is obvious that their sustenance or their life comes from the water. And these are the two um, um, general ideas or general experiences that it's reflected when God created the land and when God created the sea. Or not when God created it. That happened in the land and happened in the sea. Now, if you even look in the verse that we mentioned before, what was the default of the world? Water. Water. Because God was able to create the world and, you know, straight right away, create land and create uh, water. <laughs> but no, God had to create water first. And it was like, oh, I messed up. Let's just make space for some <laughs> land. What, what happened there? You know, that's not, it was not a mistake. You can't have life without water. So you can't have the concealed without the... Revealed. Right. Correct. You cannot have it, it exactly, and and that is the, in other words, the most default state of even us or the creatures in the land is really water. God had to cons- God had to like remove the water in order for the creatures and the uh, the beings in the land feel that they don't depend on God. So just imagine the puppeteer hiding himself and, and people thinking that the, the, that, the puppy, that the puppet exists by itself. Free will. And that's how we have free will. Because if we were connected to the water, we would be forced. 
And this is specifically why God wants us. God doesn't want us to do because. God wants us by free will to acknowledge that other, you know, someone else. And who's that other else? That's God. Yeah. And, I mean, okay. Shabbat is the also. Like, I see a parallel, right? Like, Shabbat, God abstained. He's, like, pulling back from... It's, like, another layer of concealment. Yes or no? It's, uh, it, in... It, it's funny because it's not funny. It's, it's not concealment. It's more present. In other words, when you're, you guys are writing, right? When you're writing, where is your mind at? Where is what? Your mind. Where does your mind and where does your hand and all your energies go? Usually to the next sentence. Right. In other words, you're invested in what you're doing. When you stop writing, you're yourself. You're present. So when Shabbos happens, of course... Not at the same level, but in Shabbos happens the same thing. Throughout the week, God is creating. He's constantly doing. So the, how present is God and how available God it is, it's, it's I'm not going to say less, but Shabbos is the time when God stopped creating. He stopped being invested in something lower, and he just, he, he is. Whatever level or whatever, we're not getting into those details. Mm-hmm. But in other words, that the experience of Shabbos is an experience of Hashem not being occupied doing something, but rather being present. And that's the same, that's why we, we shouldn't be working on Shabbos. Because if God is being present for us, we should be present for Him. It's not like you're... you're Torah says you're not allowed to work, but you know there is there is much. There's, I think the the benefits that nowadays we have with Shabbat is great. Detox once a week is a must, I think nowadays. But also that it is right. Yeah, yeah for a software programmer, from a programmer having this. So no, the, the girl I was trying to tell him like I'm not the religious. I just go to Friday night services because it helps me like separate the week from the weekend and it helps me just disconnect and de-stress because I know that those are the week's problems and the weekend is. Well, not that religious. I'm just, just going there casually. Good. Secular Don't be afraid. <laughs> <laughs> you're, se- you're secular coming to Minyan. <laughs> it's just a distress, y'all. <laughs> you know, that's what rabbis now said the same thing. We say the same thing. He for became a rabbi. Then. It's like we go just for the... Like the Israelis of my shul always show up just for the holidays. You don't see them anywhere else. So they show up and they're literally like, why are you here? Like, you never show up. I'm here just today just to repent. You won't see me ever <laughs> until the next one. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's, let's, let's try to cover some ground. Okay, so that, that is the idea. And we're going to see it now in the words of the Alter Rebbe. The Alter Rebbe was the, was the first Chabad Rebbe. And, and he, he, he explained, he developed more of this idea. Page 69, text 14. You want to read? Um, Elizabeth. The sea is the embodiment of the hidden world. The consciousness of the hidden world is such that one's source is apparent. There is no sense of separateness. Land, by contrast, is the embodiment of the revealed world. The creatures of the revealed world experience a sense of false independence and individuality. Do you know what the name Moses? What's the source of the name Moses? (laughs) That's cool. <laughs> Wait, drawn from water? Because he was drawn from yeah. water. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Why? Just because? It's not just the Nile, it's also. It's his world. soul. He, he was a soul that came from that world, from the world of water. That's awesome. In other words, from the world of concealment. <laughs> cool. He came to this world that 
Someone who has that mentality, he's able to redeem anyone. And it's not only Moses. It's, if we are able to tap into that mentality, we're able to, to leave our own Egypt. Whatever, whatever limitations we have, we're able to, leave, to escape as well. Yeah. Okay. Page, um, so text 15, we're going to see it now in, in, in the words of Rabbi Ari Kaplan. I'm going to read it when a person immerses in the mikveh. And so in other words, what happens? Going through the mikveh means that that ego or that ego that someone had, it's, or, or in other words, that a person goes through the experience of water, through the experience of knowing that he's dependent on something greater. So when a person immerses in the mikveh, he is subjecting himself totally to God's creative power. We can see this from the etymology of the word maim, which is the Hebrew word for water. According to a number of, or of, authority, of authorities, it shares the same root as the word ma, meaning what. When a person immerses in water, he's nullifying his ego and asking, what am I? So maim and ma have the same the etymology as we mentioned that in Hebrew, it's just not casual. That's, that's the definition of the, of the word. And in this case, why does ma and maim share the same letters is because the concept of water is becoming ma, is nullifying your independence that I don't need God, I, don't need, I'm, I am who I am because you know, I made myself, I work hard on myself and that's the reason why I'm, I'm who I am. So all of that notion is out of the window when, when someone has a water experience, when someone has a concealed world experience. And all of this tab was in order to be able to understand why the woman goes Going back to mikvah, and why it specifically needs to be a mikvah that comes from where? The heavens. From, an, from the heavens or from a natural spring. In other words, it needs to be a water that is not corrupted. If, you, if, if the whole process of mikvah is nullifying that ego, or in this case, the ego might not necessarily be a, a personal ego, but is this, um, um, whatever ego got into the, into the woman's body by the flow, by the lack of life, this negativity that got into the, that, that happened in the woman's cycle. So I'm, I'm using negativity for, for, for impurity and from ego as well. I'm bundling everything with negativity. Ego? ego, yes, sorry, yeah. The ego and the, and the, and the, imp, uh, and the impurity, yeah, all this negativity that, that, uh, that uh, men and women, when someone goes to a mikvah, all of that is suddenly reboot. There's a, a reboot in the system of all those things that I thought about myself, it's just going back to the source of it. What, who I'm who I'm really am, who am I really? And that is why the mikveh cannot be man-made. Because if it's man-made, it's not anymore godly, it's not anymore natural. Is the water is corrupted, it needs to be attached to the source of 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 concealed world, attached to the source of, of, of consciousness of God that is revealed. The ego of marriage. Question for discussion. How am I becoming more humble in my relationship with God, change or improve my relationship with my spouse? So this is, um, this is connecting or going back to what we mentioned at the beginning, to what we were speaking about at the beginning, that the connection, you know, that we said that although you, your wife, you don't understand why your spouse wants it or not, you do it. You know, and the same thing is, because why? Because your ego, your ego doesn't really place, uh, play so much. That is not really much place for your ego over here. And if there is, it's going to be a problem in the marriage. Mm -hmm. And the same thing is with God. You know, that, you know, God and, and, and our connection to him is parallel to a connection of, of husband and wife. Um, I, yeah. So 
Mikvah, woman impurity, uh, uh, period, lost life. Yeah. Um, two, marriage, two souls become one. So how come if woman impurity body, man also doesn't have impurity body because there aren't their souls connected? Well, isn't men's impurity from ejaculation? Correct. But the impurity, the source of the impurity starts from the body. Soul does, it's, it, 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 there's impurity, it's not in the dictionary of the soul. The soul cannot be impure. And that's the whole miracle of Hanukkah. We didn't really get into that. But the whole miracle of Hanukkah is that they were able to find a jug of pure oil. It's like, it's a nice story, but it, you know, hundreds of years later, we're still celebrating. They were able to find a pure jug, jug of oil. It's not, it's not about the pure jug. It's about the fact that the oil represents the soul. And that even in that state of the Jewish people, they saw that the soul was still pure that they was able to find a, a sealed, um, pure, in other words, it's funny, because not funny, it's interesting. It's funny that I'm saying funny. But it's interesting <laughs> that the, 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 in Hanukkah, it's not that there was no oil. You know, a lot of people think, have this notion that they walked in and there was oil all over the floor, they were slippery, and they were trying <laughs> to find, they are you know, holding on. No, that was not the case. There was plenty of oil in the jars, but what was missing was the seal of the high priest. And the seal of the high priest was what basically I mean, validated. Also, the var with the with like kosher meat, for example. Right. Like you can go anywhere and get chicken, whatever. Aval. The important thing is finding the seal because it shows that there's that higher connection to. Right. You know, in the in the, the case of Hanukkah, in the case of Hanukkah is more. It was more of a global because because the idea, you know, when it comes to a meat. You could throw away the meat by another piece of meat. But when it comes to the oil, and that the oil represents, for, for a lot of reasons, I mean, basic reason is that the oil doesn't mix with other, with other liquids. It represents like the highest of all. And that's the same, it represents the soul that is the highest part of a person. You know, a person has a body, but the body is just a reflection of, or where, where he's able to contain that spiritual soul. So impurity only starts with the body. And impurity is not, is not shaykh, is not, how do you say, lo shaykh? It doesn't belong. doesn't belong in the world of souls. It's not such a thing. So, although their souls are connected, impurity starts in the body and ends in the body. And that's why the, 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 the mikveh, it purifies whatever impurity is in the body. But then, if your soul can't get impure, then why become purified? Because the body needs it. It's not something that the soul needs. The body needs to be purified. Mm-hmm. And it's a fluke, I don't know, a fluke, whatever. It's, a, it's, a, it's in the body itself, something that is, um, that, that's needed. And the whole concept of purity and impurity only starts in the revealed world, but that's it's a whole other tab. It sounds like Harry Potter, there's like, there's two worlds, Harry. Uh, you're, you're a Jew, Harry. Well, who, like I, I would, I would, I would, <laughs> J.K. Rowling, you know, I don't know what she was reading before, but <laughs> the point is that this was written way before any Harry Potter came out. So, if you want to read the source, it's here. Um, yeah. So with this, we're closing more or less. We are closing. We, yeah, we're definitely closing with this. The, the 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 idea or the concept behind. Um, behind mikvah, that is uh, the, 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 the 
ego is totally nullified. The ego is totally the body, not the soul. The body goes to the real default state that everything is God conscious. That's for the purpose of the mikveh is. Now, um, you may ask that, you know, what about men? Do men need to go to mikveh? Because if, if it's about the ego, men should also go to mikveh. So two things. Number one, men should go to mikveh. And number two is that when it comes to dealing with the ego, so what is more humbling? When the woman needs to take care of herself or when the man can do anything until the woman figure it out? You mean the woman has power? The woman the, has she power. Ha- of course she has the power. We always do. That's like, yeah. Until the woman that. figures it out, the man has, not, has, he has no say. He's not in the picture. We literally control life. We control everything. Like we, we can see. We do everything. You learn the hard way. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's like one hundred one. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. Um, but but it's more humbling the experience of not having not having a say in totally. the process of 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 when the woman needs to take she care of herself. Can't even ask. Can't can even <laughs> ask. No. Can't even bring about. No. Not talk about it. Nothing. You know. The woman takes care of herself at her pace, and, and the man is humble, just waiting on the side. Oh. There's nothing he can do. I feel bad about it. Pobrecito! Pobrecito! I didn't know that was like a thing. So like, a guy can't be like, hey, are, you, like, are we going to be together tonight? Like, no, the guy is for sure the one that needs to be... <laughs> This is a, a different so subject. So it's the guy's responsibility not to ask or not to... No, no, no. The guy, of course, needs to be helpful, you know, and, 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 and support and everything. But at the end of the day, the woman is saying, it's my body and this is how the body is working. If the flow goes longer, they'll have to wait longer, you know? So it doesn't matter what the woman thinks. You have to respect what the woman's body is, is doing. So it's Her really biology. up to the guy to just peace out until she's like, it's over. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pretty cool. Yeah. And, and, and regarding what you said, is this is a, uh, not a different topic, but the Jewish view of, of, of a husband and wife is mashpia, mekabel, which it's a different topic, but I'm just going to briefly mention it. means giver and receiver. And right away, a lot of, you know, a lot of feminists are going to ask, how dare the woman are the receiver? So Wait, How dare the woman... Be the receiver? Yeah. Oh, be the receiver. Okay. In the relationship of marriage of men and women, men are the givers and women are the receivers. So a lot of people, you know, it might not be so uh, glamorous to be the receiver, but I'm just going to bring a point that shows that it's going to go all the way around. In a market, what's, 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 uh, what's more important, the offer or the demand? The demand. We both, you can't have one without the other. Right, but if you have a, a good market, it means that there is more offer or that there is more demand. Oh, more offer. Demand. Well, I mean, good like it has enough fruit. Yeah. Right, correct. If there's nothing there, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. Bill the bill dies. Demand is high. Yeah. The reason why, the reason why Steve Jobs, he, cr- he said there's a demand that people didn't even know they had it. Bitcoin is more valuable because of the offer or because of the demand? Because of the people don't understand. NFTs, I have no idea what's going on. That's the worst example you could have. Correct. Valuable because people misperceive the value. Or it's undervalued. Or iPhones, are they more valuable now because of the offer or demand? In other words, if there's no. 
you, if you have something to offer but no one to, to buy it, does it have any value? Yes, for the right person. Okay, but not in the market. But, no but not that market. market. Like, not, not where they yeah, are. Yeah, but... There. I think we don't have a good... If you don't demand... There's no demand. The demand is needed first. Even if the demand is concealed, you still need that demand. Right. Because in other words... For whatever there's a demand for, there will be a market created. That's what I'm saying. But you think about it like in people, for example, or like a puppy. Like, one person might go into a, a shop and see a puppy and say, oh, this is the one for me. But the next person that comes away, maybe it's for them. Same thing with relationships, right? Like... It's like we call it like the market, right? Like maybe this person isn't for me, but this person is. Like people run shopping, right? Like Yes. I I, I, I wouldn't say that I mean? it's I wouldn't say that it's that's marriage is like a marketplace. I think there's like one soulmate. So there's nothing really to bargain. It's either yes or no. But I think just for the sake of time is basically something that has no offer, the value goes down. Sorry, something that has no demand, the value goes down. Right. Okay. You know, a certain car model doesn't sell. That car like has no value. In general, everything that has right. no demand. In other words, and who's the one receiving the offer or the demand? Oh. Depends on if you're the vendor or the purchaser. But in the in the in the market in the market in, in, in the mar- in the market relation. Who's a, who's, this is like a flashback. You're thinking about this too much, Harrison. I'm like back PTSD in law anyone. <laughs> Oh, well, I was just keeping grabbing like, 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 do I need a calculator yeah? for this? Yeah. Yeah. Anyone else using a calculator? <laughs> yeah. um, I, I didn't take any, co- any, any courses, and, and it's, it's basically that when there's more off, when there's more demand, the, 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 the value of the item goes, goes up, goes higher. So in the market, the one receiving is the demand, because they're asking for it, so they're the ones receiving. The oh, offer, the ones giving. They're demanding it. Yes, the demand. They're demanding. They're they wanted. So they're yeah. receiving, but at the same point, being the demand is what creates value to the offer. So when it comes to the relationship of, of, of husband and wife, the husband is only there, or the husband wants to be a husband because there is a wife. There is someone who's willing to nurture this person, and you know the husband needs to provide. The woman needs to nurture. And how do we go into this? You were saying that some people might take offense to being the receiver. Oh, no, but yeah. before that. Feminists? Before that. <laughs> oh, man. Anyways, um, oh, no. Oh, initiate. So the, the part, the, oh, the, no. the, the, the uh, not characteristic, but being a man means, means the one who provides. And in the case of, of intimate relations, is the one who initiating. Yeah. Same way as the one so picking up. So initiate? It doesn't mean that you, you cannot but it means that ideally, in the context of, of men and of a husband and wife, the husband should be initiating. And if women initiate, that might make the husband feel less of a husband. Less of, yeah. That's a little bit of a, you need to, I don't know, check your... Like, I think the main thing is that when we're talking about like time periods around going to the mikvah and just like menstrual cycles in general, it's up to the husband to not initiate because it's... That oh. control is not with so that's the, the mo- that's that the point the where that, that's what we were saying. Yeah, that's yeah. what we were saying before. That he has he has no say until Got until it. the woman resolves. He has no moves can be made. Right, zero, nothing, nothing. not even a look. <laughs> well, no touching, no touching for sure. Not and, a suggestive look. And and looks depend. Yeah, the, even looks. You know, so, keep those so eyes. It's like my Cut sister. Em. She had like the Cut those the, eyes. was it two? I forgot the bed. The the bed separates. Yeah. And so when when they. 
So that's how the. So like. It's up to your brother. So like, can he be like, hey? What's it's I don't know. Night that we put the beds together, or does he have? Does she? Does he have to wait until she's like? He's got to wait. Hey, by the way, put the beds together. No. So what I'm saying when I'm saying wait is regarding the body of the woman. Meaning the man has to wait. Has no saying. When the when when he has to wait for the body of the woman to be ready to be <laughs> intimate, so yeah. if the but is if the flow is still happening, the man has no say. But once they need to be intimate, the one to initiate should be the husband. But he can't say anything or do one. anything until she says that the period of nidah is over. Yes, that's halachically that woman needs to say that. So she's like, I went to the mikvah. Yes, and that's... then he has like the green light to be like, okay, now I can initiate. She has like, yeah. her, like, a, like a library card, but a mikvah card stamp. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's exactly yeah. what it is. Okay, here's the technology that you implement. Um, <laughs> the mikvahs of 2050. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, but like basically, it's like the wife is like, tells the husband that she's on her period, etc., menstrual cycle, and then. He just says nothing, can't do anything, and then it's up to her to be like, hey, went to the mikvah, and then he's like, okay, I can initiate once again. But in that period in between time, he just has to. Doesn't mean that he doesn't, you know, he cannot engage or anything, but it means that when it comes to intimacy, of course he could, he needs to be there, needs to be supportive, and as we learned that that period of time. intimacy. Well, of course, well, of course not, but at that period of time is a time where husband and wife should connect more in an emotional way. You know, what happens a lot of times is that every time there is a friction between husband and wife, they reconcile with, you know, hugging and kissing, everything is good, let's continue. But the core problem Sorry. or that lack of, of emotional or, or intellectual connection was never resolved. So the two-week period is a period where not where doesn't mean that you're not allowed to connect. It means that the connection now needs to happen in a much deeper level than than physical. So it doesn't mean that the husband checks out for those two weeks. Actually, those two weeks are when the husband needs to be the most present because it's hardest for the woman. But when it comes to, uh, to physical intimacy, he has no saying. This is what I mean with the physical intimacy. He has no saying. He needs to be there. He needs to be supportive. And he needs to be, you know, he needs to be step in. And, but he, at the end of the day, the husband has no saying until the body of the woman, you know, um, um, Heal, not heals, until the, until the cycle finishes. Mm-hmm. He has no saying. So I've been wondering this. Um, the other lesson that we had, it was who was fire and who was water? Was it man or woman? Women is for sure fire. Yeah. But then in this lesson, <laughs> wasn't it all the same? Totally. So when it oh, comes to... Yeah. Well, like, women were fire, men was water in, in the first in the other lesson? Women were fire, men were water. But then in this lesson, women are water. They're connecting to water. The, 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 the water world, water. Yeah. right, we have, to, we have to make a distinction between the personalities of male and female personalities, oh, or even okay. male and female, um, not only personality, but male and female characteristics, and, and, and the water, and over here it's reflected in the water and the sea, but what it really means is the revealed word, world and the hidden world. That, that's, that's the punchline mm. over here, not really the water. Like water and land here, the different metaphor. Yeah. yeah. So so it's 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 uh, although they're because men are also connected to at the end of th- every everything is connected to everything, but it, you know it depends what you're talking about. And there's a, a famous joke. I'm closing with this that you know the 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 student asked the rabbi, 
Rabbi, how come you say that, you know, this over here, if, if you told us the other day that, you know, that is, uh, is like this? So the Rebbe says, well, depends what you're talking about. He says, oh, okay. Then it comes to the test. The rabbi asks, how come in one place is like this and the other place is like this? So he answers, depends what you talk about. He gives him the test and the rabbi says, wrong. And he asks the rabbi, what do you mean wrong? You told me that depends what you're talking about. And the rabbi says, yeah, it depends what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. Got him. Anyways, so that's the that's the that's the the reason of mikvah, and, and there is more to read. Just a few, uh, key points from this lesson, and then the, in the last page seventy four, there is um, explanation or analysis of the first of one of the first uh, in one of the first verses about creation. That basically that was chaotic until God's spirit was implemented, and then there was light. That that means that once. You know, the guidelines or the the behavior or the I don't want to make it sound harsh the the, the beauty of mikveh is implemented so then there is light in the relationship of husband and wife with this we say lechaim and we officially finish the course of have hold and cherish and for the next month what's going to be next month you decided? Or I didn't. Bullet? What do you guys want? What should we focus on?